Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of September 11, 2015. We're so glad to be back with you this week. We've missed a couple of shows recently due to technical difficulties, and we apologize for any inconvenience this may have caused. There are some new phone numbers that you need to know about. The Audio Now phone numbers have changed in the last two weeks, and so you need to dial different phone numbers to hear ACB Radio, the ACB Braille Forum and eForum, and ACB Reports. To listen to the six channels on ACB Radio, call 605 475-8130 and choose the channel you want to hear from the menu. To listen to the ACB Braille Forum, the ACB eForum and ACB Reports, call 605-475-8154. Remember that the Braille Forum is published in odd-numbered months, January, March, May, July, September, and November, and the eForum in even-numbered months, February, April, June, August, and October, and December. ACB Reports is a half-hour audio magazine published monthly. It is hosted and produced by Mike Duke from Jackson, Mississippi. We are excited to tell you about a new way you can listen to Sound Prints. Thanks to Larry Turnbull's help, Sound Prints is now available by podcast. Go to kentucky-acb.org. O-R-G slash soundprints dot XML from your favorite device to hear the show. You will also find archives of Soundprints available by podcast back to the beginning of 2015. GLCB Fridays have a new name. As you know, the Friday events are held at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville and include educational and technology activities from 3.30 to 6 p.m., dinner between 6 and 7, and games and crafts from 7 to 10. During the Ed Tech time, people learn Braille, share tech tips and tricks, find out which colors and styles look best for them, grow their family trees, review their handwriting skills, participate in recipe exchanges, and much more. After dinner, some people play Rook, others learn basic card principles and to play spades and other games, still others learn to knit or crochet. Our average attendance on Friday is between 20 and 25. Some people come early and leave early, others come late and leave late, others come early and leave late, and still others just drop in to socialize for a while. The new name for the GLCB Friday is the GLCB Roundabout. Just like those traffic-related roundabouts, where drivers get on where they want, get off where they want, and stay as long as they please, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout lets people drop in at times that suit their schedules. Activities change based on individual requests, and everyone pitches in to help others. Melanie Brunson, Executive Director of ACB, is retiring on September 30 after 17 years of service to the American Council of the Blind. 
Melanie spoke with us early one morning from Portland, Oregon, as she was preparing to chair a meeting of the Guide Dogs for the Blind Board of Directors. We think you'll enjoy this look back at highlights from her time with ACB. It's on page 2. KCB was chartered as a state affiliate of ACB in July of 1965. This year we are celebrating 50 golden years as an affiliate of ACB, and as part of that celebration, we bring you excerpts from a 1995 newsletter on page 3. You'll hear a report on the 1995 State KCB Convention and find out who was on the KCB board at that time. It's an interesting walk down memory lane. And on page 4 is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. I'm speaking with Melanie Brunson, who is the Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind. And Melanie is going to be retiring September 30. And we are going to miss her a lot. It seems like she's just been there forever. Um, but she's, been, <laughs> she's been with ACB since 1998. And we are so glad you can be with us this morning, Melanie. And tell us about some of the highlights of of these 17 years and how ACB has changed. Well, sure. Good morning, and um, and I'm happy to be with you for, I guess, what will probably be the last time. Um, it's always fun to talk with you and to be um, part of Soundprint. Um, I remember very well the time that I was on, and it was my birthday, and you guys played a bluegrass banjo happy birthday <laughs> lesson. I was when you introduced the show, and that was that was fun. Um, we certainly have seen a lot of changes. Um, I I've been thinking back over some of them, and um, a lot of them have been you know policy related, but some of them have been within ACB as well. Um, I think the most fun highlight of my career um, at ACB was the currency case. We started that case back um, when I was Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs, mm -hmm. and Charlie Crawford was the Executive Director of ACB back in 2002, mm -hmm. and that was, um, that was uh, really exciting. I remember my first meeting with the attorney um, who contacted me, and then I came in and said, Charlie, Charlie, we got this really cool idea. I really want to do this. What do you think? <laughs> and he kind of went, well. And then all of a sudden, I could, as we talked about it, he got more and more interested. So mm -hmm. um, it went to the board, and everything else is history. Yep. And we're hopefully on the verge of getting accessible currency maybe in our lifetime. <laughs> yeah. And what an example, though, of how you have to keep plugging away. You have to keep taking a little step here and a little step there. That's and, right. And advocacy just takes a long time. Sometimes you get it things does. done really quickly, but most of the time um, on something major, it's going to take a long time. That's right. That's right, and you know, a good example of the of the quickly was the passage of the um, Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Later, we got the bill passed, but of course now, 
the advocacy is in the implementation part of it. So it seems like regardless of what you do, there's a certain amount of persistence and patience required, but mostly persistence. You can't just let it, you know, be patient and say it'll happen someday. You got to stay on top of it Mm -hmm. or um, things that you don't want will happen. Yes. Like it'll get ignored. That's right. Just, you know, okay, so you got the bill, now we don't have to implement it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yep. It's too hard, as the industry people often try to tell us. Oh, yes. Yep. Too, it costs too much. That's right. Just can't do it. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So there's been many changes. Um, when you came to ACB, we were over in Washington, D.C., we were. We were downtown Washington, right across the street from the Washington Post. And uh, that was a happening place. Um, and I it guess. was interesting to be there. But mm-hmm. um, since then, um, we've moved across the river into Arlington, Virginia. And sometimes we're glad we're there because there are a lot of times when um, there are dignitaries visiting or demonstrations things like that, and they encourage a lot of the offices in Washington itself to close for the day, and we don't have to because um, we are not affected as much by the the traffic snarls and all of the police activity and things that go along with such high-profile events in D.C. Do you think there's more of that today than... There, there was 15, 16 years ago? Yes. Since 9-11, um, any time there's anything that goes on, they really ramp up security. Um, the Pope is coming to Washington at the end of this month, and they're already telling federal workers in Washington to stay home. Wow. They're not going to give them the day off. Oh. But they're telling them to work from home or to um, to take leave if they want or to make other arrangements so that they don't have to commute into the city to work Wow! at their offices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not going to give you the day, off, the day off, but just don't come to work. <laughs> right, right. You can take it if you want it or you can telework or do other, make other arrangements. So that would be a big change. We have the um, taxi um, uh, suit is going on that you and Eric were involved in, in that sting operation. And, you know, would you say that that those kinds of things are uh, any, more, um, any more prevalent today or pretty much, pretty much the same business as usual and we're just trying to make some changes in it? Well, you know, I think that that it might be. We this is we've done other sting operations, um, but this is the first time that we've gotten uh, good enough and conclusive evidence enough to really pursue it. And um, and I think that part of the reason for that was the story on the local news that increased public awareness about the problem before we did some um, testing of dc taxi practices a few years back for one of the local civil rights legal offices the equal rights center and they 
they did get a lot of good information, but um, we weren't able to pursue it with the taxi commission as easily as we did this time. They still kind of were able to fluff it off. But this time, I think that the television coverage helped to put pressure on the uh, the authorities to try to do the right thing as well as the, the lawyers who were interested. And that has made it a little easier, besides which we had the really... My situations weren't quite as conclusive. They were actually kind of funny because the guy who failed to pick me up figured out what was happening and came back and wanted a do-over so that he wouldn't have to be on television. And so he ultimately picked me up and took me, um, which was kind of funny. But Eric had um, the really slam-dunk situations where they just blatantly passed him by. And so he um, was able to get the conclusive footage that I think helped to make the case. If you watch the video, it's it's right there in plain sight. You've been either direct, the director of advocacy um, or you've been the executive director under four different ACB presidents. Um, unlike some organizations that have presidents seemingly forever, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we manage to change presidents at, at least every six years. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they're there six years. Not always, but sometimes. And so you've been in work in the office, playing a major role in the office um, under uh, Paul Edwards and Chris Gray, Mitch Pomerantz, and now Kim Charlson. Is there a difference in the office uh, uh, you know, because of, of course, th- these people all have very different personalities, sure. yeah, you know, different styles. H- how does that affect the office, and how has that made a difference as as you've, um, you know, worked under those those four different people? That's an interesting question, and um, I don't know that I've thought about that a whole lot. Um, there's there's a lot of commonality, certainly, but. Yeah, I think everybody's communication style um, affects things differently. Um, and also, you know, the amount of time they have. It's it's different when someone has a full-time job um, than it is when someone is, is able to um, spend more time communicating with the office. Um, there was there was a big difference when when Mitch Pomerantz, <clears throat> excuse me, first became president. He was still working, and Chris had been working. I didn't work that directly with Paul because most of the time, I wasn't executive director when Paul was president, and right. so he communicated more directly with um, with the president, the executive director did than I did. Mm-hmm. Although every once in a while, um, the, the the two of them would bring me into a discussion mostly about policy. Sure. So my communications with the president then were pretty much limited to policy issues. Um, Chris and Mitch were um, 
inclined to say, let's talk at a given time. Make all of your, you know, make a list of everything you want to talk about, and I'll make a list of what I want to talk about, and we'll um, we'll touch base um, at a at a given time. And then once in a while, I would talk with them in between times, mm-hmm. but um, our communication mostly revolved around a set time that we got together. Um, except with Mitch in the later years after he retired. We probably talked three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and, and, and it was, um, I think that was the biggest difference was in people's desires for how and when to communicate mm-hmm. with Kim. Of course, she is working full-time, and so... We don't have a set time to talk because her schedule doesn't really allow for a set time. So when when we want to have a conversation, it's usually either try to call her and see if she's available (laughs) or send an email and say, when do you have a minute? I need to talk to you. Right, right. We both kind of do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's... um, and I think, you know, they vary in terms of their interest in the the day-to-day operations of the office, too. Um, there's there's some, some of the presidents have more interest in, in um, that sort of thing and some more interest in the bigger global issues. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of that's kind of varied over the years. I think another change happened when Jim Olson died. Yes, I was thinking about that as yeah. we started talking about changes. Yeah, and for people who listen who have <laughs> no clue who Jim Olson was, because they're too new to ACB to know, um, Jim Olson was our, at one point he was treasurer of ACB years and years ago in the 70s and I guess into the 80s. Um, and then when he couldn't be treasurer anymore, he was just a super accountant and mm-hmm. he became eventually eventually he had the title of the CFO well when he died in what was that 2004 um, yeah. yes 2004 he um, it kind of it left a huge gap because um, up until that point you know he had sort of been he was the 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 boss in Minnesota, and of course they ran the thrift stores, and he had employees there, and so we had basically the Minnesota office, we had the Arlington office, well then the D.C. office, which mm-hmm. we still do, but at that point, I, <laughs> I, I remember after Jim died, and, and, and so, you know, they said, oh, well, Melanie, can you, you know, oversee this office, so um, it seems like I remember you going to Minnesota just to say, "Hey, here I am," and you know, get to know them really I, I well. Did. That had they, to be quite an experience. That. Oh, it was. It was for a number of reasons. Um, you know, before then there were two offices, and they were really kind of. I always felt as government affairs director that there was a bit of territorial struggle um, between the two offices because. There were some things that were exclusively the purview of one office and other things that were exclusively the purview of the other office. And doggone it, you keep your hands off of my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, 
when something new would come up, we always felt like they kind of fought over whose it was. And um, I, Jim and I had um, really tried to start things off with a different mentality. We really talked about wanting to work together. Mm-hmm. And we were just starting to put that in place when Jim died. And so there was an awful lot I didn't know. And Chris said to me, you know, we're going to have to hire somebody, so it looks like you're going to have to supervise them. Well, because there had been two exclusive sort of domains, I knew virtually nothing about what they did. Let alone the fact that you weren't an accountant. That, that's the other problem. <laughs> and, and accountants course, speak a different language, you know. <laughs> they do, absolutely. And the staff didn't know a lot about what they did because everything was in Jim's head. Yes. Nobody had access to his passwords for his computers. They didn't know where anything was. They didn't know what to do. And they were panic-stricken. Yes. In, in addition to being grieved because they were all very fond of him. So oh, yeah. I went up there and just spent some time talking to them. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I don't know even how to speak their language, let alone figure out how to tell them where things are. Yeah. So I went home and borrowed um, basic accounting books and spent my weekends learning um, the at least some elementary accounting principles so that I could talk with them and, you know, at least understand what their issues were and help them resolve things. And I remember I found an accounting for lawyers, and I thought, oh, good, this will help. <laughs> and it did. Um I read like three different accounting textbooks and um, and made two or three um, trips up there over the next couple of months and then spent quite a bit of time on the phone with them trying to get things back on track. And they were tremendous. They they did um, get get in, roll their sleeves up and really try to get keep things going. And uh, yes. did the convention registration and everything that year so yeah well and they had never actually um most of them had not come to a convention no and she and Quan did but they were yeah i'm not even sure they had any they they had not got Quan's first convention was 2004 yeah Um, you're right when i was on the plane i was the convention coordinator and i was on the plane Mm -hmm. going to um birmingham and we got the call that Jim had had a heart attack, and um, and so you know uh, Jim's see, Jim's son-in-law came uh, uh-huh. at the last minute, and <clears throat> my son Mike came, and Quan came, and mm. and that that was Quan's first convention. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, and then, of course, and they just did it. I mean, they ran it mm-hmm. pretty pretty well. And um, Quan and, and Mike weren't there for a long time. Uh, Doug stayed for mm-hmm. um, quite a bit of the, most of the time. And thank goodness for people like June Horst, who had who had been running convention for a long time, right. running right. registration for a long time. helped them get it going. Yes, yeah. yeah. They they were I able to... I stopped in there, and she was taking charge and telling them, this is what you do. <laughs> yeah, and and we really did not 
Um, we didn't have a lot. Jim did some things on the computer for the convention then, but really, truly, it was pretty much a paper process. It was yes. at that point, and yes. you know that was 2004. Um, Jim passed away then that fall, but um, you know we really didn't. Lane didn't come until 2007. So, right. you know, we went through a couple of different phases there. And so, you know, you, you, I, can, I can just see you reading these accounting texts over the weekend because you pretty much, um, you know, didn't have a whole lot of, you had, to, you had to do something to fill in there, all those yeah. thrift stores and things. And my goodness, I just can't, that had to be difficult. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I guess I'm a sucker for a challenge. And, um, well, that, so that had I, to be a challenge, I, Melanie. Was, There's no doubt about it. Matt, you're right. It was. Well, some but, of the, a couple uh, of the other things that I, I think um, are interesting is, as, as being the executive director of ACB, you've participated in several international things. Um, the Marrakesh Treaty comes to mind, but uh, mm -hmm. what are some of the things there um, uh, that that you know that stand out well i think my first foray into international issues was when oral miller called me back in i think it was 2007 and said that there was an organization that was putting together a program about audio description and they wanted someone to come and deliver a paper on the state of audio description in the United States, and would I be willing to do that? Oh, my goodness. So that was interesting in, in a lot of ways. So I, I did agree to go, and I went to Tokyo, Japan, for a week, and um, they actually said, you know, once we had all the arrangements made, that they wanted to take me sightseeing as well as to... Um, to deliver this paper because the meeting was only for one day. So I got to go and visit a number of the agencies for the blind in, um, in Japan, and I got a massage at their massage school, and I toured one of their workshops where they employ a lot of the uh, blind folks, and um, I visited um, the... Uh, the newspaper they have over there for the blind, um, which is real interesting. Got to see some Japanese Braille, which was um, was fascinating to me mm -hmm. um, as a Braille reader. Mm -hmm. And um, and also did deliver this paper, and where we talked about what was happening in the United States, which kind of I'm afraid in retrospect disappointed them because at that time. There wasn't a whole lot going on in the United States except for what PBS was doing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we did talk about what we were working on, and we had, at that point, had a court case in the early 2000s where we tried to get the uh, 20 hours per quarter of audio description on primetime TV that was eventually enacted by Congress as the beginning phase of the coach bill, the CBAA. But um, at that point, 
um, the FCC had implemented it and the National Association of Broadcasters had sued, and the courts had both um, at the trial level and at the appeals court level sided with the broadcasters and said the FCC had no authority to do that. So we um, we were kind of in a, in a slump uh, with regard to audio description. So I had a good time talking with the advocates about the value of it and what it would take in both of our countries to get um, the idea more generally accepted and implemented. And so that was good, and I enjoyed the visit very much. Um, I've always thought it'd be fun to go back there because everybody was very friendly, and it was it was an interesting um, trip to see um, how agencies in another country do their um, provide their services and what services they provide and what their attitudes are toward blindness. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Marrakesh Treaty, um, that started out, that was about a five-year project. We went, either Eric or I went toward the end. I went most of the time because they decided they needed lawyers, and Eric wasn't a lawyer, and um, so they, they wanted me to come. Um, and they they met twice, a, two or three times a year um, in Geneva um, to be to do most of the work to prepare for the treaty. And then the Marrakesh meeting was um, what's called the diplomatic com- conference, where the, um, the higher-level diplomats get together and put the finish t- finishing touches on the work that the, um, the other folks have done for the past couple of years. And I know the American ambassador to the UN was there and um, a bunch of very um, much more high-profile embassy Mm -hmm. officials. Most of the time, the work had been done by people from the copyright and patent and trademark offices. Mm -hmm. And they were still there at the diplomatic conference, but the um the the upper level folks who could actually give them authority to agree to things were the ones who came this time so that final decisions could be made and that was that had its own interest because when I was sitting in the airport waiting to board my long flight to go to Marrakesh, we got a note from the head of the u s delegation saying the treaty's failing it's not going to happen. And I thought to myself, so why am I putting myself through this long trip? But um, that was on Saturday, and by Wednesday night we had a treaty. So he was wrong, and we were ecstatic. I guess. Yeah. Well, that that's that's um, that is certainly that that has to be among the highlights um, too, because. It was. Because, I mean, of course, in going to Geneva, Melanie, I mean, somebody had to do it, you know. They really did. (laughs) Yeah, and it was really heartbroken (laughs) to be the one pick. I know. My goodness. But, and that week in Japan, I mean, you know, what a, that that must have been really tough, you know. (laughs) But, um, well, there, there's just a lot of things. I mean, in in the many many years, ACB has just um, changed a lot, and yet there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that are the same. Um, but when you look Thankfully. back, 
Yes, when you look back um, over 17 years, it you know it seems as if it's um, you know things are pretty much always the same, but then you see big differences, and sometimes it can be little stuff that becomes mm-hmm. um, a big difference, um, and yeah, and just that's, makes that's things true. appear differently, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it's but it's it's really it's it's interesting, and of course I'm interested I was interested in you know, the difference in, in, you know, serving under the different presidents and things, the board, people think, oh, the board's always the same, and it really isn't. Um, yeah, it isn't. There's a, no. there's a different dynamic. Um, yes. You know, some boards really um, work well together, and mm-hmm. others don't necessarily. There are kind of factions and little, yeah. little cliques and, or groups, yeah. you know. And you've been there during of, both. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you were there. I remember, I don't remember where we were, but there was one meeting where we were going to uh, recess on Saturday afternoon and get back together on, because we used to meet on Sunday mornings. Right. Um, and uh, we had a roll call vote over, over whether we would begin at 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was just crazy. Yep. You know? It and, was. I remember that one. Yep, yep. And, and and then some of us went down. I went down at 7.30 just to see who would show up. But every time they'd start to count for a quorum, I walked out in the hall because <laughs> I was voting for 8 o'clock. I mean, just little crazy things like that mm-hmm. sometimes happen yep. that, you know, you get all caught up in, and then in retrospect are pretty funny, really. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. Well, Melanie, we certainly uh, are going to miss you as executive director. Um, I uh, We're going to miss you here on Sound Prince. Hope you'll check in with us and let us know what you're doing and how many great bluegrass concerts you're going to and all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, I, I, really, you've just been great at sharing what's going on. Um, you know, I think helping listeners to understand what what is happening in uh, on the big in the big scene in the in nationally and how it can affect and touch people uh, on an individual basis and we really appreciate that because um, it's that's that's a talent to to be able to bring it down to each person's level rather than just talking about um, you know all the the just just the bill number I mean you you truly have helped make it. Um, make it meaningful. The same thing is true in court cases or just in other things. The, the, the Marrakesh Treaty is a good example. Um, you and Kim both um, have really helped our listeners understand what Marrakesh is all about. When on the surface, mm-hmm. you know, most of us thought, oh, well, what does this have to do with us? So mm-hmm. we, we appreciate. We are certainly going to miss you a lot and, and hope you'll stay in touch. Well, thank you. I'm going to miss um, ACB. I, I, I've loved my work. I love ACB and all of that it stands for. And, you know, truly my, my interest in helping people understand what's going on is really sort of a passion with me because I think people should know so that they can feel involved and get involved and, and, and be a part of the process because that's really how we need to get things done. And that's why I like ACB because, you know, really it's all about um, the people and meeting their needs. And I don't care what level of government or industry you're talking about. They need to hear from their customers. 
And unless their customers understand what they need to hear, they're not going to they're not going to be able to communicate it. So I really think that's that's at the heart of what anybody in this job needs to be able to do. Well, that's very true. And we certainly wish you all the best as you well, thank you. as you go off and do whatever it is that you've always wanted to do and now we'll have some time to do and uh, we you will be missed. Thank you. And we'll keep in touch. We'll keep in cuz we'll want to make sure that we know we'll be, I want to cheer you guys on whatever you decide to do in the future. I'll I'll be a, I'll be around. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louie. New extended searching now available with free Louie Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini-book Braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini-book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page 3. This tape is from the Kentucky Council of the Blind and contains newsletters from KCB and from Forward Look Incorporated. In this issue, 1995 KCB Convention, a great success. Christmas times are coming. Social Security, jobs, and other issues. KCB Board of Directors. 1995 KCB Convention, a great success. The 22nd Annual Convention of the Kentucky Council of the Blind just ended and by all measures, it was a great success. Exhibits are always a popular place at conventions, and this year the exhibit area was open both on Friday and Saturday, giving attendees more time to browse. The program on Saturday afternoon was packed with interesting presentations. Tom Denning, director of the Talking Book Library in Louisville, Priscilla Rogers, commissioner of the Kentucky Department for the Blind, and Karen Dennison, Transit Authority of River City, updated us on their respective programs and answered questions from the audience. Michael and Glenda McCarty told conventioners how they had almost lost custody of their baby because they, the parents, were visually impaired. And Dr. Ralph Bartley, superintendent of the Kentucky School for the Blind, highlighted the afternoon with his presentation of Bartley's Top Ten and views on the role of the residential school in the education of blind children. A number of small sessions were held on Saturday morning. Edith Etheridge, vision specialist at the Kentucky School for the Blind, gave attendees at the Coping with Vision Loss seminar a chance to see and try a variety of visual aids. Four committees met, including legislative, accessibility, program and activities, and membership. No convention would be complete without fun. On Friday evening, a chili supper was followed by the second annual Performing Arts Showcase, coordinated by Deanna Scoggins. Rosa Moss's dramatic presentation of the creation story, Vivian Ayer's dream speech, seven-year-old Patrick Hughes's rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, and Josh Kaplinger's original keyboard composition were highlights of the evening. Ernest Bourne's Back Pocket Money brought chuckles to the crowd, 
and Gail's song, written by Deanna Scoggins, drew a musical picture of her three-year-old foster daughter. There were too many individual and group acts to mention them all here, so we want to take this opportunity to thank all who participated in this fun event. As part of the banquet program on Saturday evening, life members of KCB were recognized and presented with life membership certificates. This will become an annual event, with everyone who becomes a life member between conventions receiving their certificates at the annual banquet. Life members who were not at the banquet will be presented their certificates at a future KCB event. The convention was capped off by Tim Harper, a professional entertainer who livened up the crowd with his classic rock and country songs. Accompanying himself on keyboard and guitar, Tim sang by request almost non-stop until 9 p.m. Total convention registration was 91, and total attendance, including all participants, was 113. This was the most successful KCB convention ever. No convention report would be complete without thank yous, and there are many. Don Franklin and Mike Franklin for coordinating the entire weekend. Eleanor Pester and Loretta Curry for the APH Museum Tour. Rick Ricks, Dan Begley, Bill Leister, and the housekeeping staff at KSB for assistance with facilities and equipment at KSB, the food center staff for the outstanding meals, and Debbie Kuswara for serving as door prize chairperson. A very special thanks to all who so generously donated door prizes, and the biggest thank you of all to Dr. Ralph Bartley for permitting KCB to use the wonderful facilities at KSB. KCB Board of Directors, President Carla Franklin, First Vice President Eugene Willis, Second Vice President James Terrell, Secretary Carol Jones, Treasurer James Shaw, Immediate Past President Dolores Sheriff, Directors Michael McCarty, Don Franklin, Charlene Gamble, and Kayola Warfield. This concludes the newsletter of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. November-December 1995, published by the Kentucky Council of the Blind, Louisville, Kentucky 40206. Page 4, The Sound Prince Calendar. Most conference calls listed on this calendar are held at the following number, 605-475-6006, and the code is 294444. The address of the Bluegrass Council office is 1093 South Broadway in Lexington, and their phone number is 859-259-1834. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind holds most activities at the United Crescent Hill Ministries at 150 South State Street in Louisville. Call GLCB at 502-895-4598 or email louisville at kentucky-acb.org. On September 14, the Bluegrass Council Community Outing will be held from 5 to 6.30 p.m., at Sal Sarita's Fresh Cantina, 2380 Norman Lane in Lexington. Bluegrass Council receives 15% of the meal cost if mentioned between 5 and 9 p.m. On September 15, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, in Owensboro will hold a fundraiser at the Texas Roadhouse from 4 to 10 p.m. Savvy will receive 10% of the meal cost, if mentioned, during that time. You must bring in a flyer and present it to your server when paying for Savvy to receive their 10%.
For more information and to arrange to obtain a flyer, call 270-684-4418 or email owensboro at kentucky-acb.org. Also on September 15, the Kentucky School for the Blind Parent Information and Family Dinner Night will be held at 6 p.m. at the Scoggin Building at the Kentucky School for the Blind, 1867 Frankfurt Avenue. RSVP to Mitch Domke at 502-897-1583, extension 7104, or email Mitch at Mitch dot domke d-a-h-m-k-e at ksb dot ky schools dot u-s september 17 the kentucky council of the blind convention planning committee will be held at 7 30 p.m on the conference line september 18 the greater louisville council of the blind will hold its quarterly membership meeting the bargain table opens at 4 30 Dinner, program, and meeting begin at 5. All activities will conclude by 8 p.m., $5 per person at United Crescent Hill Ministries. September 20, KCB Next Generation will hold a brunch from 10 a.m. to noon at Toast on Market, 620 East Market Street in Louisville. For more information, contact Amanda Selm at 502-750-1774 or by email at alsmoot87 at gmail.com. September 20 will be the next KSB alumni board meeting on the conference line. And on September 21, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its board meeting also on the conference line at 8 p.m. On September 23, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its VIP meeting for the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. at their office in Lexington. The speaker is Marie Smart from the University of Kentucky Sanders-Brown Center on Aging. Be sure to contact Bluegrass Council to make reservations. On September 24, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired will have a booth at the annual Senior Day Out in Owensboro. 8.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Visit the Savvy booth at the Regional Senior Citizen Activity at Town Square Mall in Owensboro. On September 24, the Statewide Rehabilitation Council will have its meeting from 9.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the Charles McDowell Center, 8412 Westport Road in Louisville. Contact Jennifer Wright at 502-564-4754. On September 25, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its next Friday event, Education and Technology, 3.30 to 6 p.m., including a presentation on skin care, dinner, six fifteen five dollars $5 per person, bingo, 7 to 9 p.m., $2 per person, and cards and crafts beginning at 7. All activities will conclude by 10 at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. On September 27, the Guide Dog Users of Kentucky invite you to lunch and a walk at Oxmoor Mall from 2 to 4 p.m. Enjoy lunch at either the California Pizza Company or Panera Bread and then walk around the mall to 
walk off all those calories. Call GDUKY President Deb Lewis at 502-721-9129 for details. Also on September 27, ACB Families will hold its next board meeting at 9 p.m. at the conference call number 605-475-6333, intercode 1711553. On September 28, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its quarterly business meeting, 4 to 7 p.m. at the BCB office. This will include elections with dinner to follow. On September 28, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky will have their membership conference call at 7 p.m. on the conference line. Looking ahead to October, the ACB Lions will have its next membership call on October 1. This is a conference call meeting for all blind lions around the country. The time is 9 p.m. and the number is 712-432-3900, intercode 796096. On October 2, the Louisville East Lions Club will hold its Chili Supper at St. Leonard's Church in Louisville. For more information, contact Debbie Detheridge at 502-895-5895. On October 2, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its next Friday event from 3.30 to 10 p.m. at the United Crescent Hill Ministries. On October 4, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its committee meetings on the conference line. Advocacy will meet at 7 p.m., Education and Technology at 8, and Activities at 9. October 7 is the KCBPR Membership Committee meeting, 8 p.m. on the conference line. October 8-10 to 10 is the 147th Annual Meeting of the American Printing House for the Blind. It will be at the downtown Hyatt Regency Hotel in Louisville. For more information, contact Janie Blome at 800-223-1839, extension 367, or email her at jblome at aph.org. October 8, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its next conference call meeting at 7 p.m. The number is 605 605- 475-4700, intercode 155619. October 9, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its next Friday event at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 3.30 to 10 p.m. October 10, the GLCB Board will meet at 11 on the conference line. On October 12, the Kentucky School for the Blind Advisory Board will meet from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Kentucky School for the Blind, 1867 Frankfort Avenue in Louisville. Call 502-897-1583 for details. On October 12, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its community outing from 5 to 6.30 p.m. at the Arboretum, 500 Alumni Drive in Lexington. On October 15, the eye-opening symposium will be held from 9 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the Fayette County Extension Office, 1140 Red Mile Place in Lexington. Call Bluegrass Council for details. 
Also on October 15, White Cane Day will be celebrated in Louisville at 4th Street Live, 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. October 17, you're invited to Carol Ann's Carousel from 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. This is an opportunity for visually impaired guests to explore the animal characters while the carousel is stationary. Sighted volunteer assistance as needed. It's at Smale Riverfront Park in Cincinnati. Call 859-547-5565 and leave your name and phone number. You'll receive a return call to reserve reservations. Reservations are necessary for this event. On October 20, the Support Alliance for the Visually Impaired will hold its monthly meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. They will celebrate White Cane Day, and the meeting will be in downtown Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. On October 21, the Charles McDowell Rehabilitation Center will have its third annual open house from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. There will be product demonstrations, tours, information sharing, refreshments, and more at the McDowell Center on Westport Road in Louisville. On October 24, there will be a Halloween masks workshop from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. You can use tactile materials to make scary or friendly masks and headdresses. Registration is required, and this is appropriate for ages 5 and up. It's at the American Printing House for the Blind Museum, 1839 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. Call 502-899-2213 to make reservations or email Katie Carpenter at kcarpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R, at aph.org. On October 28th, the Bluegrass Council will have its open house and 40th anniversary celebration. From 12 noon to 6 p.m., lunch from 12 to 1, at the BCB office and community room in Lexington. On November 13 and 14, the Kentucky Council of the Blind invites you to our annual state convention at the Ramada Inn North in Louisville, 1041 Zorn Avenue. There will be workshops, programs, exhibits, food, and friends. We'll be celebrating 50 golden years since we received our charter in 1965. For more information, call KCB at 502-895-4598. Room rates at the Ramada are $75 per person plus tax. You can make reservations by calling 502-897-5101 and mentioning the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Also on November 13 and 14, the annual family conference will be held at the Kentucky School for the Blind. This year, it's sponsored by KSB and the Visually Impaired Preschool Services. It will be on the KSB campus. For more information, contact Martha Hack at VIPS by calling 502-498-2926. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.